Welcome to the Thriving on Purpose podcast, where we teach Christian entrepreneurs how to build a strong foundation of faith, growth, and skill to lead and thrive on purpose in life and business. And now, here are your hosts, certified coaches, Elizabeth and Sebastian Richard. Hey, 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 everyone. Thanks for joining us for another episode of the Thriving on Purpose podcast. We're so glad you can join us this week. This week, we are continuing our God's Kingdom Purpose for Man series. So we took a little break last week, and now we're going to dive into some really, really amazing content that you're going to really enjoy. And right before I dive into this, I just want to ask you if you are enjoying this series to share it with other listeners, other kingdom entrepreneurs that that need to hear this information. This is really going to help them. So we're going to talk about developing kingdom faith. It's going to be deep. It's going to be a lot of great content. And we're doing a part one. There is going to be a part two to this. So it's going to be a lot of uh, good meat for you guys. It's uh, basically around understanding how to move mountains. Okay, so we hear these verses about moving mountains, mustard seed faith. Now we're going to explain a little more about how to grow your faith and developing the kingdom kind of faith that you need. Hmm. So now we're going to begin in the part that I like the most. You know, everything that we've given to you was kind of preparing you to understand. It was giving you the intellectual side of things. And now you're going to learn how to put all of this into practice. So this is the part that I really like because you're taking action and you're really uh, exercising your faith, right? This is where we get into God's kingdom, provision, abundance, riches for you and your family and your business. Because yes, God does want his kingdom entrepreneurs to have blessings, to have money, to have prosperous businesses so that you can touch as many other Christians and other people possible. Absolutely. So, so far, we're going to do a little short recap. We did six foundational episodes on the kingdom of God. Okay, so episode 31 was about understanding man's dominion assignment on the earth and what it entails. Episode 32 was about understanding what the fall of man was and how God's various covenants were about gradually restoring man to his original place in creation. Episode 33 was about the new covenant, the true gospel, or as you know, the good news of Jesus Christ and what the gospel of the kingdom of God truly means. Episode 34 was about correcting our misunderstanding and perception of God and his method of operation in order to give our faith a stronger foundation. So it made a strong biblical case for God's goodness. And episode 35 and 36 were about the 12 main characteristics of a kingdom. Uh, So these serve to clarify our understanding of how a kingdom operates and how we should operate as kingdom citizens. Okay, so I tried to go pretty fast, but you guys get a good idea. So like we always say, if you haven't gone to the beginning of the series, please go back, listen to these episodes because um, they really help build a foundation for you to understand all of this. Otherwise, it can be very complicated. So 
these episodes laid your foundation about understanding the kingdom of God preached by Jesus and your kingdom citizenship rights and dominion as children of the king. So it's really important that before you dive into faith, that you understand who you are, um, your your authority, your you know all of that, all of the foundation that we put into place yes. because it's going to help your mindset. Exactly. That's what helps your faith. Knowing who you are, what God has made of you in Christ Jesus, that gives you the proper perspective to exercise your faith. And that's why we're going to start teaching faith now and we didn't do it earlier. Exactly. Because you're going to see, um, you know, you're going to think you were in faith many times in your life, but when you go back and you do the foundational steps and all that and then you get into this kind of content about faith you're going to realize oh okay it's it's a lot more than i thought so sebastian let's dig deeper by all means let's dig deeper to climb higher have you guys seen the movie faith like potatoes i hope you have because it's a really good christian movie and and we know that they they're getting better i mean the christian movie making industry is getting better and better praise god for that but it's still a work in progress so when you catch a really good one it's really worth seeing and so faith like potatoes if you guys haven't seen it, it's really worth seeing so the movie tells the story it's a true story of angus buchan a south african farmer who learns what true faith really is so in the beginning of the movie angus comes to south africa in the middle of racial turmoil and economic disruption to begin a new life for himself and his family. The hard work of reclaiming an old farm nearly drives Angus to the point of madness until he discovers that his greatest need is, like all of us, Jesus. So he converts to Jesus Christ. It's a pretty, uh, pretty amazing conversion. So he's challenged to make his new faith evident by telling others about what God has done in his life. In the challenges that follow, God answers Angus's prayers in miraculous ways. He sends rain to put out a fire. He even raises a woman from the dead. The farmer's greatest challenge of faith comes when a devastating drought threatens the land. Though Angus leads the community in a prayer of healing, the drought persists. One day, Angus believes the Lord is challenging him to risk being perceived as a fool for him. Ever been there, guys? I, I know I have. He decides to plant water-thirsty potatoes in the midst of the severe drought. The investment is so large that Angus puts his farm on the line for what he believes the Lord is calling him to do. After Angus plants the field of potatoes, the rains still do not come. The entire community is curious about what will happen, and Evis Angus is concerned. This challenge puts Angus's motto, just trust God, to the ultimate test. If the crop fails, Angus loses everything. If it comes in, oh, by the way, there's going to be some spoilers, okay? So you might, I'm just giving you a heads up. So if you if you want to skip ahead, just skip ahead because you, you might be saying, oh, I want to see that movie. So just skip ahead. But it's I'm making a point here. So I don't want to spoil it for you, but I need to bring this in. I really want to make a point with this, okay? 
If the crop fails, Angus loses everything. And if it comes in, he'll be able to pay off the farm and ensure the survival of his family and the small orphanage they opened. So no pressure there. No pressure. Though he believes, Angus has no idea what will happen. He has grown corn in, in the past, which is above ground and visible. But potatoes, that's another story. Potatoes grow underground. They're out of sight. As harvest time approaches, Angus's words of hope and trust are on the line. He tells a friend as they look over the dry fields, the condition for a miracle is difficulty. For a great miracle, it's impossibility. I love this. Will his faith be rewarded or will he become a failure because he crossed the fine line between faith and foolishness? The morning the harvest is set to begin dawns as everyone waits with uncertainty. Most remain hopeful, full of faith that the day will bring the fulfillment of God's promise. Still, no one knows if Angus Buchan will be shown to be a man of faith or simply a darn fool. Angus walks across the dry field with his friend and co-worker, Ghibli. The plants are withered and dry, and the men have no idea what lies beneath their feet. Angus starts by offering his friend an encouraging word, because Ghibli, uh, just to put you in context, he's like he's a co-laborer, he's his like right-hand man, and he worked with him and he toiled the soil and he did everything with him throughout this whole ordeal. So he says, Ghibli, my friend, before we get started, I want to tell you how much I appreciate you, what you've done for me and my family. I don't think that we would have, have, we would have been there if it wasn't for you. Ghibli silently stares back at Angus, hanging on every word, not sure what his friend will say next. Angus continues, I know you love this land as much as I do. I really appreciate you. Then Angus takes off his hat and says, Come, let's pray. Angus begins as Ghibli removes his hat. God, thank you for this harvest. Thank you for giving us this land. He looks around and he adds, We don't know what's in this ground, but we pray that you'll bless it. After the prayer, Ghibli takes a pitchfork and sticks into the ground to see what's there. To his amazement, huge potatoes come up with the dirt. When Angus sees them, he begins to shout praises to God, and Ghibli joins in shouting in the Zulu tongue, Potatoes from God! Angus stops in the middle of his celebration as he sees the workers and his family and friends coming to help with the harvest. His wife, Jill, tells Angus she had faith for the potatoes as they embrace. After the harvest, Angus is sitting with a group of the young men from the orphanage. He asks one of the young boys to take a potato. Angus says to him, feel this, smell it. Then he adds, your faith in God must be like that. It must be real. You can feel it. You can smell it. Turning to the entire group, he adds, your faith has got to be like a potato. Faith, my dear friends, is something that's real. It's vibrant. It's alive. You can feel it. You can touch it. You can see it. You can smell it. It's like a potato. 
Absolutely. And um, that was a really good movie. It was based on a true story. And it was really remarkable to see that man's faith. The transformation also. Because he was a bitter man. He was an yeah. angry, bitter man. And it's transformation because of God's grace. It's just like he becomes a new person completely. Yeah, it was absolutely amazing. It, it really... Um, it's really a movie to be seen. Like you really have to see this movie for many reasons. Yeah. Um, it's a really good story. And exactly like you was saying, you know, uh, a lot of us can relate to how he was feeling in the beginning. Everything was going wrong. And he's like in this God forsaken place. I'm sorry, but it was like, <laughs> it was bad. It, it was, was really bad. bad. And he's like, I have to make this work. I have to make this crappy soil, you know, <laughs> yield something otherwise i starve my whole family starves and i came here for nothing and it's just it's just a really amazing story to see how you know god moved through him and how he was a complete transformed man Absolutely. through the whole process of yeah. this so so when we see movies such as faith like potatoes we get inspired and encouraged and that's really awesome it makes us appreciate more uh, that to God, nothing is too hard or impossible. You just have to really believe. You really have to have the faith that he's going to come through for you. However, for those of us who struggle with faith or who don't fully understand how faith works, these stories don't always show us how to get to that level. Right. We enjoy seeing the results. We're inspired. We're like, wow, God is amazing. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, we're like, but how do you get there? Yeah. <laughs> Would you have that kind of faith if it was if you were in those shoes? Yeah. So these stories like that, uh, like faith like potatoes, tell us about the wonderful results of faith, but not necessarily of the process of faith. And for some of you, you just end up scratching your heads and rational, rationalizing it with thoughts like this, for example. Well, I guess I just don't have that kind of faith. Well, some have the spiritual gift of faith, like Angus, and that's why, you know, he had the results that came from that. Or maybe some will say, well, that's what charismatics teach, and I'm a Baptist. Or maybe some other people will say, well, my pastor teaches that great miracles like those of the apostles were done away with. These things have ceased, like great miraculous healings, raising the dead, that stuff's all over. It's done with. There's a lot of denominations, unfortunately, who who teach that, and it's, it's just sad, really. When our faith doesn't yield desired results, we explain it away. We rationalize it. We basically end up doing theological gymnastics to prove that Jesus didn't really mean it when he said in Mark eleven twenty four, Therefore I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it, and it will be yours. And yet we know that God is good. We know that God is not a liar. We know that God's word is true. And we know that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Indeed. Our Lord is the same yesterday, today, and forever. So if that's true, let every man be a liar then. In other words, if you don't have miracles and prayers answered in your life, the fault must not be with God, 
It must be with you. And you have to come to terms with that. And from that point on, seek answers, solutions, and basically become teachable. Right? So, how exactly does one have faith like potatoes? A faith that laughs in the face of seemingly impossible odds. A faith that is able to look like a fool for God. Or a faith that is fully assured of things unseen. Exactly, because in the movie, there's no rain. Like this man I know, it's, it's, is planting... And it's like, it they're like, it hasn't logic. rained for like forever, for years. Like, are you mad? You're going to like waste all your seeds to grow potatoes with no rain. Exactly. You know, and he, it, he put himself on the line. He put his reputation on the line. He, 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 he basically was willing to look like a fool for God. Yeah. And because of his faith, I remember in the movie, those that just were inspired by him that knew he was a man of God. So many conversions came from that. Exactly. And they just they just followed him and they said, you know what? It looks as though there won't be potatoes, but we're still going to help him out and do what we have to do and be obedient to, to what he says. They right? all went like, I gotta get me some of that. <laughs> exactly. So faith is the lifestyle of the believer. We are to live by faith, right? So it says in Hebrews 11:6, without faith it is impossible to please God. So it says without faith it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. And we also read in several passages throughout the Bible this verse that says the just, the righteous shall live by faith. So it's repeated several times. Exactly. So not only should we live by faith and not by sight, but our faith enables us to please God. It's impossible to please God without faith. Therefore, one could say that your faith is a basic requirement to bring you into kingdom, into the kingdom and make you a citizen. And we know that, right? After all, as the scripture says, by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. So your, your own faith to come into the kingdom is, is a gift from God. So in other words, your new citizenship in the kingdom was acquired not by seeing, not by sight, but by believing through faith. And ever since you came in the kingdom, your whole new kingdom life as a kingdom citizen has been exercised and lived out by faith. It is by faith that you were saved and sealed, but that's not all. You believe the Bible is true by faith. You believe God hears your prayers by faith. You know that you will go to heaven when you die by faith. You trust God on a daily basis by faith. You began your new life, your born again life by faith. And life in the kingdom of God is lived by faith every minute of every day. Faith, my friends, faith 
is the oxygen you breathe in the kingdom of God, so you live by it. That's so true. And the Bible also reminds us that God has dealt to each one a measure of faith. We read that in Romans 12, uh, verse 3. Yeah. So, Liz, you've been given a measure of faith. I've been given a measure of faith. And so have you guys listening to us. You've been given a measure of faith. But that measure of faith, that measure of faith, what is it exactly? Well, it's comparable to your body. While we're all given a capable body, unless we're handicapped, but, but most of all, the larger percentage of us have a capable body, while we're all given that, not all of us develop that body the same way. Everyone who has two arms and two legs was given 650 muscles in their body. That's the number of muscles you and I both possess. But... Not all of us use or develop these muscles the same way. Some develop them very highly through intensive training and discipline, like the Olympic athlete or the bodybuilder. And others don't train or develop their muscles at all. Did you know that the guy who sits on his couch drinking beer all day has the same number of muscles as the Olympic athlete? The difference then lies in the use, training, and disciplining. This, uh, this, this, basically, discipline. Work, the working out of those muscles. Okay. Likewise, you were given the same measure of faith as the Apostle Paul or Angus Buchan of the movie Faith Like Potatoes. So when we're given that measure of faith, that's something that God gives you at salvation. You're given that. Boom. That's the the. The oxygen tank you're given, basically, and everyone's given that measure of faith. However, as we will see, not all of us have exercised or trained our faith like they have, okay, like the Apostle Paul or Angus Buchan. Some of us have pot-bellied faith, okay, <laughs> and others have six-pack abs of steel faith. Very different. Both were given the same measure of faith, but not both have worked out the same thing. The, 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 the pod belly faith is more sitting on his couch drinking beer faith. But the six-pack abs of steel faith, and that's the person who trains their faith, who ex exercises their faith on a daily basis. So today, hopefully, we'll teach you how to have Olympic-level faith, okay? And by the way, just so you guys are, just so, so we're clear, I'm not there yet. I am not an Olympic-level athlete of the faith. I want to become that. I desire to become that. Therefore, I train myself to that end, but I'm not there yet. Okay. So I hope that encourages you. <laughs> I'm not, but I'm not a pot-bellied faith either. I, I'm, I'm more like a kind of a guy next door, ordinary Joe kind of faith guy. You know, like if I tighten my abs, I, you can see the faith. But if I'm just standing and in a relaxed posture, you can't really see it. <laughs> so, and yeah, and the same for me, like in the sense that, you know, when I started putting a lot of my faith into practice and the action part of faith, I realized, hmm, <laughs> you oh, know, I thought tricky. I had more faith than that, but, you know. And, and, the, and the thing, when you, when you understand that God is good and when you understand all we've been looking at so far about God, then we understand, okay, so when this law, 
the law of faith, we'll see that in, in, in further as we go along further, but this law of faith, it's a law. So it works every time. A law works every time. The law of gravity works every time, right? The law of sowing and reaping works every time. It's a law. So faith is supposed to work, and when it doesn't work, it's not God, it's us, okay? All right, so let's dig in. So there are three main things believers need to know about faith. Number one, what faith is, okay? So faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Okay, we read that in Hebrews 11.1. 1. Number two, how to get faith or be in faith. So then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's in Romans chapter 10, 17. Number three, how to make your faith work for you. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Mark chapter 11, 24. One of my favorite verses in scripture and yet one that I have such a hard time to get a handle on as many other people, many other Christians as well, because moving mountains is something that people have come to uh, develop as they train and they exercise their faith. And that's what we're going to look at today. So today, we're going to look at the first two, okay? We got these three points, these three uh, major uh, directives or points about faith. So we're going to look at the first two, what faith is and how to be in faith. And next week, God willing, we'll make it about how to make your faith work for you. Uh, as I was writing this podcast, because I, I write pretty much everything ahead of time. I'm a big time writer and uh, I'm a student and writing and compiling all kinds of stuff. I realized, my goodness, this is going to be spread out over two episodes. It was just too much material because faith is such a big deal for, for kingdom life. For kingdoms, uh, for for people who, who want to understand kingdom, work out kingdom, see kingdom manifest in their life, and and understand the goodness of God as a, as a king of this kingdom, and all that. So uh, anyway, it spread out so so much. There was so much information. So I was like, okay, you know what? I'll do two episodes, and that's fine. So as kingdom citizens, we cannot live, operate, or be approved by the king without faith. We saw that already. And that's partly why as soon as you were saved and became a citizen of the kingdom, he has provided you with that measure of faith to operate in his kingdom. Okay, Faith, your faith, is your main kingdom key. It's your main key to operate in the kingdom. But as with any key, it will not work in the following circumstances. For example, if you keep it in your pocket, when you have a key, if you keep it in your pocket, i.e. if you don't use it, it's not going to work. Also, if you misuse the key, for example, when you have a key and you insert it the wrong way or you turn it the wrong way, well, that's misuse. It won't work, right? Also, if you don't understand how the key works, the mechanics of a key, if, you, if I give you a key but you don't know what a key, how it works, you won't be able to use it. Also, if you don't know what it's for, the purpose of a key. If I give you a key and you have no clue what a key is, you'll be like, what is that? You'll be holding it in your hand, have no idea what it can do. It's the same thing with your faith. Furthermore, the Bible tells us that 
with it, with this key, all things are possible. Because, as Mark 9.23 says, all things are possible to him who believes. You see, the main reason people do not understand or experience kingdom living is because they do not understand what faith is, how faith works, and how it is made stronger. And that, that is very important. So we're going to look at the dynamics of faith and how you can work out your faith and make it work for you. So number one, what faith is. So the Amplified Bible puts Hebrews chapter 11, one like this. Faith is the assurance, meaning the, comp the confirmation, the title deed, of the things we hope for, being the proof of things we do not see and the conviction of the reality, which means faith knowing as fact what is not revealed to your senses. Amen to that. So faith is an assurance, a deep conviction, a knowing. Let me ask you a question. How do you know you're saved, redeemed, and going to heaven when you die? How do you know that? Nobody gave you any visual or physical proof of your salvation, and yet you're so sure of it. Like when it comes to our salvation, right? We're, we're, we, we believe it by faith. I mean, if, if anyone were to come to me and say, uh, Sebastian, I don't believe you're saved. I'd be like, that's your problem. Because <laughs> I know I'm saved. I mean, I know I'm saved the same way I know right now I'm sitting and doing a podcast and my computer's on the table right now. I, I mean, that's how much I know I'm saved. And this, for as much as I know I'm looking at you right now, Liz, that's how much I know I'm saved. Yeah, you have a conviction. But it's by faith, right? But you have also have a strong conviction. No one can, I'm no so one can convinced. change your yeah. mind about it. Nobody. That's the difference. It's not like wavered. You know, you can't waver it. Exactly. And now we're going to look at, at something that um, is very crucial in order to understand what faith is and what it isn't. We're going to look at the difference between hope and faith. Because as I spoke with a lot of Christians in my life, I realized that a lot of believers confuse hope with faith. And it's, it's easy to understand why. But at the same time, it's really important if we're going to walk in faith and understand faith to know the difference, okay? Yeah, this is a major, major. So listen up, take notes, because this is really, really important. Yeah. So, as I said, we confuse hope with faith, and we need to clarify this. Faith stems from hope, but it's not hope. Hope is only the starting point of faith. The definition of hope is the following. A feeling of expectation and desire for a certain thing to happen. Any prayer request begins with a desire for something. So it begins with hope. A mental image of something good or of a solution for a problem. Okay? So it, it started. It, any prayer request begins with hope. And the definition of faith is the following. A complete trust or confidence in someone or something. So you see the difference? One is an expectation for a certain thing, and the other one is a complete trust or confidence in something. So one is expectant desire, and the other is joyful reception. Hope 
is the embryo of faith. But many suffer miscarriages while waiting for the baby to be born. You see, hope prays for rain, but faith digs ditches for water. So, in other words, if there's no clouds for rain, okay, and you really need rain, let's say you're that, uh, you're Angus Buchan, and you need that rain to come down, hope will pray for rain. So, you'll have the desire for rain to come down, and you will believe that God can do this. But faith is so convinced that God will do this, that you start digging your ditches for the water that's coming. Because right. if someone tells you, no, the water's not coming in, what are you doing digging ditches? You're going to be like, <laughs> you just watch. Yeah. Just wait. You when, just wait. When you're in faith, you start preparing for the miracle. Like, not the miracle, but for that answer, that thing that you're asking God to, to do in your life. You're preparing around it. So, yeah. you know, how can I give an example? If you're asking for something specific, let's say you need, I don't know, um, a new house or something, and you've prayed for that, you've, you're in this predicament, well, you're going to go to a real estate agent and you're going to start looking for houses. You're going to do things as if you're going to get that new house that you asked God for. You're going to do the motions. You're going to do the actions. You're going to say to yourself, okay, God's going to answer me. He's going to start give me packing your boxes for moving. <laughs> exactly. He's going to give me this new house. Now, if I really am in faith, I believe this, then what am I supposed to do to prepare for that to happen? Exactly, because you believe it's already happened because you asked for it. So exactly. you're basically, you're, okay, so, so I'm moving because I, I prayed for this, so I know it's gonna happen. So I'm moving now, so what do I need to do next? I need to start packing, right? So many Christians say, I've prayed again and again. I fasted, I've pleaded, I petitioned, I cried out to God, etc., etc. But nothing has happened, and I didn't get my prayers answered. I really believed it would happen. So, you know, like we've all lived that, okay? Yeah, we've, we've all, all been, been there. And, you know, when I started learning about faith, that's one of the things I realized. Wow, like there was a lot of pleading and a lot of fasting, and there's a lot of things I didn't understand, you know, why this wasn't answered and this wasn't answered. And it's only when I really studied faith that I understood a lot more, that got, I got a lot more answers of why these things didn't show up in my life or why they weren't answered. So this is a very common problem, and that problem is often summed up by this. So either you were hoping, but you didn't have faith, or you were in hope and not in faith. Exactly. Very well said. Look, I tell you guys, if hope were the requirement for us to have our prayers answered, all of us would have them answered, okay? Because and it would be so easy, right? We it's all easy have to hope. hope. It's easy to hope. <laughs> I mean, I mean, well, easy. It, it depends on the circumstances. Like if, if you're in a, a concentration camp, maybe hope isn't that easy. But what I'm saying is it, it's easy to have the desire for something. Yeah. And the, the mental image of what, that would look like, right? That, 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 that's a hope, okay? So we would all have our, our, our prayers answered. So the language of hope is the following, and pay attention to this because you might recognize yourself as I say this, okay? I hope God will answer me. So you've prayed and you tell your friend or your, or your wife or someone, I hope God will answer me. I can't wait to see this prayer answered. 
Oh, that sounds like faith, but it's hope. It's going to be so exciting when fill in the blanks. I'm hoping to see this come to pass soon. Now you're using the word hope, so obviously it's hope. We have to keep hoping and praying. So all these sentences or expressions that we use are linked to hope, but they are not linked to faith. And yet we think, when we say that, we think, well, I'm in faith. Look, I, I'm hoping for it because I'm hoping God's going to answer. Yeah, and we're so conditioned to doing it. Like, even for the longest time, even even sometimes now, I have to stop myself and go, oh, like... <laughs> yeah, sometimes you know, we, we, we... Because we, we always talk. To each other. And, and, and I know a lot of you are thinking, well, what's wrong with saying these things? There's nothing wrong with saying these but things. But you don't realize that you're hoping for something to come to pass and faith is believing that it has come to that pass. it has come to pass exactly so when you've received it you don't have the same verbiage and we're going to look at this okay so as i said they, they, like when i gave you the example of the sentences this language can be very deceiving we deceive ourselves most of the time thinking we're in faith when we're actually in hope while it does bear the appearance of faith it's language of hope you see Hope always speaks in the future tense. Now, this is a key I'm giving you here. You can jot that down and take it to the bank, okay? Hope always speaks in the future tense, but faith always speaks in the present tense. Hope believes that God can. Faith knows that God has, okay? That he has done it. Faith receives right away. It is hope made manifest. Remember Mark eleven twenty four. 24? We, we read it earlier. Therefore, I tell you, whatever you ask for in prayer, believe that you have received it and it will be yours. Believe that you have received it as it, it is done. It's a done deal. It doesn't say believe that you will receive it. Right. It says, believe that you have received it. It's done. Okay? And it will be yours. And you know that that's very, very important that uh, you understand this part. Because, you know, often, oftentimes we think that it's like, you know, God's like a genie in a bottle. That you're going to just say, okay, I believe. I, I see it in my head. It's happening. And then, poof, it's going to happen like instantly. And then when it doesn't, instantly you're like, okay... Well, uh, maybe it's going to happen in the future. And that, that's when you start to have doubt. And this is what I've it understood. It gets tricky between the amen and the there it is. It, that's where it gets tricky. That's the gray zone of faith. Exactly. And in some cases, you know, example and healing and stuff like that, um, different things that God has chosen to answer uh, miraculously right away, right? Um, it ha it does happen. And in other cases, it's over a couple of weeks, you yeah. know, uh, after two, three weeks that things, it's like... But it's still a miracle. Yeah, when it's and, done, it's still a miracle. But it, how come it took two weeks? Yeah, or how and, come it took and three the person, days or four Exactly. Days? And the person talks about that. Like I've listened to a lot of healing um, stories and a lot of them say that, you know, they were reading scripture over and over and over again. Um, during the day regularly and really believing that they received that healing and that it was just a question of time for it 
to show up in their bodies and they never they 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 talked in a way that it wasn't like it's gonna happen but it already did happen yeah and that god was moving and healing through them and they noticed that as weeks went by they felt better and better healthier until they got completely healed so and in their testimony they'll all they often say this they, they often say i knew that i knew that i knew yeah when i prayed that God was had answered and that was a done deal. Even though the healing might have showed up five days later, six days, a week later. Yeah, and uh, in a lot of other cases for needs, for different things, you know, that you ask God for and he, and he, you know, makes it happen. But sometimes it's kind of last minute and, you know, you wished it had happened exactly when you prayed for it. But it happened two weeks later, right before the deadline kind of thing. <laughs> Oftentimes it's like that. Yes, it is. But it, it, he does answer, right? You just have to believe that it's yours. That when you, the minute you pray that you received what it is that you asked for. So now we're going to look at number two. How to get faith or be in faith. So you, might, you guys might be asking, okay, but how do I work out my faith? What should I pray for and believe in the present tense that I have it? Like, what does that look like? Yeah, what does it look like to, to believe that I've prayed and I know that I know that I know. And it's it's a done deal and I'm convinced. I, I just know. So how do you get there, right? It's a good question. It's a really good question. Romans chapter 10 verse 17 says, Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So faith comes by hearing, basically, the Word of God. God says of His own Word in Isaiah 55, 11. Liz, would you read that for us? Isaiah 55, 11. Right. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. That is That's such, the King James Version. That is such a powerful verse. That is such a powerful verse. And I love the last part of it. My word, it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. It shall prosper. My word shall prosper in the thing where I sent it. Now I'm going to ask you a question. In the New Testament... Where did God send his word? Now, that's an interesting question because there might be many different answers, right? Because we know that Jesus was the word made flesh and God sent Jesus to earth. So we could use that as an answer. But I'm going to show you where I'm going with this. Yeah, so we read in the parable of the sower in Luke chapter 8, when Jesus explained it to his apostles afterward, he said this. This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear. And then the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts. From where? From their hearts. Interesting. So that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it. But they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the same, but in the time of testing, they fall away. The seed that fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. 
but the seed on good soil stands for those with noble and good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. Now, that's great. I mean, that's great. So where was I going with this? Where where did God send his word to answer the question? Well, the parable, when Jesus explains it, it says that the seed is the word of God. Okay, the seed is the word of God, and it's sent towards human beings and their hearts, right? So it's sent toward the heart. So, so we know that faith comes by hearing, and I can never emphasize the word hearing enough here, okay? And we'll get to that as we go. Uh, so hearing comes by hearing the word of God. And now, thanks to what Liz just read in the, the parable of the sower explained by Jesus, we know that this audible word is sown in the hearts of men. And then, if it falls on a good, on a good heart, on a good soil, okay, the heart is the soil compared to the soil, it produces a crop. So therefore, the mechanics are simple. Hearing the word goes through your ear canals and then down to the heart and produces a crop or fails to, depending on, you know, we know the parable of the soils. There are four circumstances. And, but when it falls on good soil, then it produces a crop. So now let me ask you another question. When you speak, when you speak, do you hear yourself talk? Of yes, course. Yes, of course, of, of course you do. <laughs> I mean, when we speak, we hear ourselves talk, right? We may not we might not hear ourselves exactly the way we sound because it is obviously when we listen to ourselves on a recording or whatever, we we but we hear ourselves talk. That's the point I'm getting at, okay? So of course you you hear yourself talk. We all do. Now, I'll ask you another question. Just bear with me for a moment. I'm going somewhere with this. When you read your Bible, do you hear the words? Not, not really. Not really. You know, see, when we read our Bibles, and we're taught in, in church, you know, especially in conservative churches, read your Bible, read your Bible, and that's great. I mean, you can never read the Word too much, really. That, and I'm not saying don't read your Word. But here's, the, here's where I'm going with this. When you read, you don't hear the words, okay? So, there's a marked difference between what we read and what we speak. Am I right? Right. Okay. So, before I continue, let's look at another Bible passage. It's in Joshua chapter 1, verse 8, and, and you're going to see where I'm going with this. This is very important. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth. But you shall meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. What a beautiful passage in Joshua. So God said to Joshua, This book of the law shall not depart from your eyes. Oh, no, wait, that's not what he said. No, from your mouth. Yeah. From your mouth. And then how does it end? It says, then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Isn't that interesting? It shall not depart from your mouth. He didn't say from your eyes. He said from your mouth. So I'm, I'm going somewhere. Obviously, if it doesn't depart from your mouth, your eyes have seen it, right? So you've read it, but you've read it aloud. You've spoken the words out loud, right? That's obvious. So here's another thing. 
like I mentioned earlier, if you're in a conservative church or denomination, we're greatly encouraged to read the Word. Nothing wrong with that. In fact, I hope you do tons of reading, okay? However, reading is done, like I said, only through your eyes. And we're told that the Word should not depart from our mouths, not from our eyes. So, and that was proven also in, in the Old Testament, okay? The Word was read publicly. It was read publicly. Uh, and we, we read earlier that God said, right, that His Word will not come out of Him without accomplishing that which for it was sent out. So that's why in, uh, in Nehemiah chapter 8, we see that Ezra is standing before the people of Israel reading the law of Moses aloud, reading aloud the law of Moses. And in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 13, that's in the New Testament, Paul says to Timothy, Until I come, devote yourself to the public reading of Scripture, to preaching and to teaching. Now, why was he saying that? Paul is the same guy who said that faith comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of God. So Paul knew that the public reading of Scripture would accomplish a great effect. It would, it would go and accomplish a great work of uh, salvation in the hearts of men, right? So when we read aloud the words of God, when we read them aloud, what happens is we make His words our own. And when we make the words of God our own, miraculous things happen. Here is what happens when in our personal devotional time we speak aloud the words of, of God, pray the words of God, and confess the words of God. Here's what happens. Here's how this works. When the words of God roll off your own tongue, you hear them. You hear them. And faith as we saw, comes from hearing and hearing from the Word of God. When we read aloud the words of God often and meditate them, we build up our own faith. Boom. That's how you build up your faith. That's how you become a bodybuilder of the faith. That's how you develop six-pack abs of faith. Okay? So repeating the promises of God about an issue in your life, whether it has to do with healing or finances or any other matter, helps you to build up your faith in what your Heavenly Father says on that very matter. For example, if I have financial trouble, and many times a day I repeat the promises of God, the promises of my Father's Word, and especially the one in Philippians 4.19, which says, My God shall supply all my need according to His riches in Christ Jesus, to His riches in glory in Christ Jesus. If I keep repeating that to myself daily, many times a day, and meditating on it, and, and, and adding other scriptures that have God's uh, prosperity in mind for the believer, for myself, guess what that does? It doesn't create a miracle on its own. No, what it creates in me is a super strong faith in what my loving Father has promised. So once I build up that super strong faith in what my Father has promised, then it brings it to pass when I actually pray. Because when I pray, I actually believe that I receive, okay? 
So this constant repetition gradually makes your spirit, your, your being, come into agreement, in agreement with the kingdom of God. In, in other words, with the word of God, with the king himself. You see, until with all my being I believe and am in agreement with the words and promises from the word of God, my faith will not be strong enough to move mountains. And the only way to be in full agreement with the word of God is to apply Joshua chapter 1 verse 8 to myself in the first person. So if we were to paraphrase Joshua chapter 1 verse 8, it would sound something like this. You can say it, you can say it out loud as I say it, okay guys? This book of the law shall not depart from my mouth but I shall meditate on it day and night, so that I may be careful to do according to all that is written in it. So there's the obedience factor here, very important. For then I will make, not, not God, <laughs> see this is very important. For then I will make my way prosperous, and then I will have good success. Why? Because I meditated on that law, on the word of God, and it didn't depart from my mouth. So by doing so, okay, by doing so, I will make my way prosperous and I have good success. That's amazing. So hearing the word of God repetitively, methodically, and intentionally is the best way to build up your faith. And also when you're doing this, you notice that as you pray, you tend to also repeat and you, mention God's promises back to him. And we mentioned that right? in, in the prior episodes, right? When we were talking about how it operates in a kingdom. So when we when we basically say to the king, Oh king, you are great because here's what you promised me. Here's right. what your word says. Here's what and you basically remind the king, not that he needs reminding, he knows exactly what he promised, but when you as a citizen go to the king and say, so, King, in your word, you promised me this, and you promised me that, and you promised me this and that, and I praise you. You are glorious, O King. So, what are you doing, basically? Well, you're kind of putting pressure on the King to fulfill his promise, to not forget his promise. <laughs> so, if my kid comes to me, and I, I made him a promise. Let's say I made a promise to my son, uh, I'm gonna, next weekend I'm taking you to the movies. And next weekend comes, and he sees time goes by, and it's 11 o'clock, and I didn't say anything, and then 11.30. I know that my, my kid, my son, is going to come to me and say, Dad, you said we'd go see a movie. I mean, you're not going to let me down, Dad, are you? I mean, you said, and I believed you. Obviously, I, I, would, I would rather die than, than miss out on my promise, unless something major really major, made me like say to Jason, no, I'm sorry, I can't do it. But see, God is not like us. He's not fickle like us. He doesn't change like us. He's unchanging. So when he promises something, you can bank in on it, right? Yeah, he's going to deliver. So hearing the, God, the word of God, like I said, repetitively and methodically and intentionally is the best way to build up your faith. So do you have a Bible reading plan that includes, that includes reciting out loud God's words and promises to you? And if you don't, I urge you to begin this week and start with, make a list of your needs 
and then go find, according to those needs, go find all the promises that God has pertaining to those very needs, and then start reading those passages out loud, because that's how you're going to build that faith within you, by repeating them out loud, because you hear the words, and it's going to do, it's, I'm telling you guys, it's really amazing what it does in your spirit when you speak those words and you meditate on those words and you do it often. It builds up your faith. It's like, what do we do when we, basically when we're training our body, if we're a bodybuilder, what do they call them? They call them reps, as in repetitions. It's the repetition of the lifting of the weight that makes your muscle grow. Well, it's the repetition of the saying of the promises of God and of His Word that makes your faith grow a same principle. Same principle. Okay, guys? And I know a lot of you are thinking like, and, and you know, we've all, we've all been there. We've all said, oh, well, God knows our needs. Like we're praying, we're, I ask, used to be we're like asking, that. but He really, He knows all things. So why do... I need to bug him with this. And, you know, like we have this, all these false ways of thinking and that's why we get no results. And we're going to do, simple. we're going to do also in the kingdom series and uh, God's purpose, uh, God's purpose, purpose for man. For man yeah. yeah. We're going to do a series on, on uh, right now we're in faith, but we're going to, we're going to tackle prayer. Yeah. And we're going to debunk some things and we're going to give you some new information about prayer that's going to really kick up a notch your prayer life in a, most fantastic way you're gonna see guys it's gonna be awesome uh, so what I was gonna to say to you guys so make a compilation if you don't, like uh, we have a book at home okay that we bought it's it's um, what's it called is the burgundy book um, uh, scripture promises from God's Word or scripture uh, God's um, promises from the Bible pro I think it's promises from anyway it's a small brick what we're gonna yeah, do is I'm confused there's two of them yeah I know but we're gonna give them the links to some yeah. such compilations because they're practical uh, yeah it, it, it's it's not like reading your scriptures because when you read your scriptures it's it's a storyline it's that there's so much more meat to it but if you want to do that with your reading of scripture so maybe you can like read your daily scriptures and then go in those passages that are compiled by categories and indexed so it's very practical if you're looking for i don't know if you're sick or someone's sick and you're praying for that person and you want to build up your faith so that they would be healed well you go in the healing section or there's a financial section and there's a sections pertaining to all the issues of life in right. that little burgundy book so we're going to give you the the, the link uh, with the show notes so you can just go there and click and order that book it's really great yeah and you know like just um a quick anecdote my son used to have like bad dreams and was you know scared uh, at night and uh, a lot of kids do have that he's he's nine and I wrote down verses on cue cards of all the verses in that book that had to do with not fearing right that God is protecting us and you know everything that's no fear and um, we wrote those down he wrote some of them down and then we we read them every night um, for we've been reading them for quite a while now, and I noticed the difference oh, yeah. because first he started reading it kind of mechanically, you know, and then I started explaining. Do you understand what this means? As and we it, all do, huh? it's yeah. kind of funny to see and, our kids do that because we do the same thing. Yeah, and then I started reading with enthusiasm and explaining what each verse meant, and then he got it, he understood it, and then he would read some, I would read some. 
uh, every night. And then like we, we do maybe, I don't know, there's maybe 12 of them or something in, in the package. And I noticed that it, it made a difference. Like he started really believing what he was reading. He had more of a peace to him before yeah. he went to bed and we prayed together and I saw a difference. And, um, now he's pretty good that he knows like if I start some of the verse he'll complete the sentence he's getting really good at knowing what the verse says even where it is in the bible with where the references and we've only been doing that for a couple of weeks regularly right so i encourage you guys to it really does work you know to to do this if you need healing to write bible verses i have to do with healing because even you'll see yourself you're gonna like we we know a lot of them we know we've heard right but when you reread them, there's something about it. It's when like you say you them under- out loud. Yeah. yeah. And to say them out loud, it's like you're understanding a different sense to them, a different meaning. It's like God reveals different things to you and you get it. Like you really, I really get it. I think there's something, and I didn't mention that earlier, but I think there's something about the vibration of your own voice uttering the words of God that does something in your psyche and in your heart. It's just like... In your subconscious. In your subconscious. There's something that happens. It's it's fantastic. I mean, I cannot emphasize this a lot, uh, enough that you need to verbalize audibly the scriptures if you're going to grow your faith. So, as we said, you need to be plugged into the word day and night. Remember that verse in Joshua? It says meditate on it day and night. Day and night. I, I mean, I have sometimes I wake up at night and I have a scripture in mind. And I know it's the Holy Spirit. And then in the morning, I meditate, I remember, I remember it. And if I'm smart enough, I write it down because sometimes I don't remember it. But if I'm smart enough and I write it down the next morning, then I look it up and then I meditate on that scripture. Meditate on it day and night. Be plugged in the word of God. That's something, you know, if you want to have faith like potatoes, if you want to have faith like potatoes, they don't really show you that in the movie. Like, you see the guy is very devout. I mean, he's super devout. He loves the Lord with all of his heart and he reads his Bible. He's got his nose in his Bible. But we don't really make the connection between that and the result. Right. See, uh, and I think that's what's so important for us to understand that before we get to that kind of result saying to the mountain, move away from here and go throw yourself into the sea, before we get that result, there's going to have to be a very serious training regimen that will have to stem from the Word of God. I'm going to leave you with a quote by Kenneth Hagin, who was a tremendous teacher of faith. He said, Your faith will never be greater than your knowledge of the Word. Now meditate on that. Your faith will never be greater than your knowledge of the Word. And if you're going to have more knowledge or uh, being able to recall scriptures to your mind more, well, you have to put your nose in the scriptures and you have to verbalize them. Because we also memorize better what we verbalize out loud. That's another thing. Yeah. Just reading it Absolutely. is harder to verb to to uh, to imprint on your memory uh, if you just then read it. Repeating it, it yeah. If you repeat it out loud. So, guys, this concludes our episode for this week. We're going to continue uh, this faith uh, teaching next week. And we will conclude it. And uh, Liz, if you want to conclude the episode for, for our listeners. Yeah. So I encourage you to go to thrivingonpurposepodcast.com. All our episodes are there. And um, there's a comment section on the bottom of the episode 
feel free to let us know what you you think of this uh, teaching how you know if you had any takeaways if there's different things that uh, you have questions about we'll be uh, we'll be happy to answer your questions and we just love to hear your feedback and how um, you're experiencing the podcast the content feel free to share the the content as well you'll be able to do that and there's also uh, all kinds of resources that you can get your hands on as well that are free so be blessed and thrive on thanks for listening to the thriving on purpose podcast Be sure to visit thrivingonpurpose.com to access the show notes and to discover more fantastic content. Until next time, be blessed and may you thrive on purpose.